you know, last week I talked about family and I talked about a part of it was respect. And Donna sent me this, this quote. Uh, I took the picture out because I found that the picture was distracting. But the actual quote I really loved. So uh, let me start with that this evening. Show respect even to people who don't deserve it not as a reflection of their character, but a reflection of yours. I just love great quotes, and I think that's a great quote. It really is so, it speaks so specifically about what we're supposed to do. But I, I actually would like to speak about Jeremiah, and it's part of the parasha, as Ron has already mentioned. You know, Jeremiah was an interesting prophet. He uh, had for a 40-year ministry from 637 to 586, and he was from a priestly family. And what I think about him, um, well, there's so many things you can say about him, but one is he had amazing faith, and secondly, he had amazing courage. Uh, he worked with uh, king Josiah, who was one of the very few good kings, uh, and uh, but he battled Jeremiah, who's also called the the weeping prophet. Um, he battled uh, great discouragement and tremendous opposition, and he he witnessed. I mean, here he is. You're talking about. Do you feel like you've been successful in your ministry, right? So he sees God's judgment, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, and the exile to Babylon. I could just picture Jeremiah saying, "What in Lord, what have I done? What, what am I doing wrong? You know, he, he really achieved, from our point of view, very little results as he was preaching about repentance. He was re preaching about God's judgment. He was preaching against idolatry and corruption. But he also had a great message of positiveness as well. And, you know, he prophesied that we would have a new covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. He prophesied Jerusalem would be rebuilt after 70 years in Jeremiah 30. He prophesied the return of the people to the land in Jeremiah 24, 5 through 7. He prophesied messianic king would rule and we see that in jeremiah 23 58 so maybe he didn't see his successes but god knew what he had called him to so we're going to start with jeremiah 1 4 we're only going to really look at four verses this evening uh, jeremiah uh, 1 4 through 8 but we're going to start with one, and it says, The word of Adonai came to me, saying... So let's stop right there. Jeremiah didn't seem very surprised about this. So obviously, they've been having an ongoing conversation. And he came from a priestly family, lived in a priestly city. So um, I would think that had something to do with the fact that he probably had a personal relationship with the Lord. And my first question to you, uh, because, you know, we live in a, a funny world right now, 
And do you believe it's important to surround yourself with priestly people, people who have faith in God and people who study scripture and, and walk the talk? Is that important to you to live amongst people like that? I hope so. Now, he probably knew of others who had a strong relationship with the Lord, including Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, and a number of others who came before him. But we don't know how the word of God came to Jeremiah. I mean, we don't know if it was an audible voice. We don't know if it was a, a sense. But uh, we do know that he did hear from, from God. And, um, and this idea of personal relationship has to get us to think that do we have a personal relationship with God? It's crucial to our walk with the Lord. It's crucial to faith. It's crucial to everything we are as believers to have a relationship with the Lord, to really hear his voice. And you know what? If some of you don't feel you, that you hear his voice, let me tell you, ask to hear his voice. You know, don't stop asking until you sense and hear the voice of the Lord. And, you know, we are priests. We, we find that in 1 Peter 2. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, or a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And so in order to do what 1 Peter 2 says, we've got to have a personal relationship with God. We've got to know, just like that Jeremiah needed to know, that he was chosen. We have to understand that we are a royal priesthood. Now, maybe you don't think of yourself as part of a royal priesthood, but God's word says you are. If you know him, you are part of that royal priesthood. And certainly, is there enough darkness around? What do you think? Yeah. So we are called to bring people from that darkness into marvelous light. Jeremiah 1.5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you pro prophet to the nations. So in context, this was actually said to Jeremiah so that he knew that he was called. That seems to be the purpose of God telling him that. It would give him confidence so that he could go into the darkness and, and shed God's word. And, and he would carry out God's will. Imagine if you were assured of that same calling, what would you do differently currently? Maybe you are assured of that calling. What do you currently do? Think about it. You know, we just read 1 Peter 2.9 about being part of a royal priesthood. 
haven't you too been uh, also uh, appointed to the nations? Yeah, I think we have. Are you like Jeremiah who says, well, for a moment he said, who, me? You know, I'm too young. I can't do this. But as Ron said earlier, a lot of the prophets said that. And Jonah didn't just say, who, me? He said, not me. <laughs> but um, this, this particular verse, um, Jeremiah 1.5, about forming you in the womb, this, uh, this brings us to a very serious subject in our current day, which is the subject, obviously, of abortion. And as the world grapples with it, you know, there are obviously so many of us who are against it, and there are so many people who don't think it's a problem. These words from Jeremiah speak, I believe, in verse 5, to the great love and purpose that God has for us, even really before our existence. Because he knows of us before our existence, which is pretty wild to think about, which makes him such a great God. Um, God says that we were formed in our mother's womb, but he formed us. <coughs> so we might be thinking that... Uh, of, of some other way that a baby gets formed. But he's very clear to say that he formed Jeremiah in his mother's womb. And I don't believe that we have any right to allow people to kill a human being who God has formed. So we don't have to argue about when is life if we're looking at it from God's perspective, we understand that before the baby was even conceived, God knew them. I found a really interesting quote um, from a, an archbishop. Uh, his name is Archbishop Cordelion, and he's out in San Francisco. And he says this, abortion is the axe laid to the roots of the tree of human rights. Just stop there for a second and think of what that means. So there is an axe that is laid at the roots of the tree, but you know, the axe alone doesn't do anything because it's just laying there. But if you take that axe and you wield it, then you are killing that tree, and obviously the analogy is you're killing that baby. Without protection of the right to life, no other talk of rights makes sense. And I think that's a very reasonable comment. I, obviously there will be people who will disagree, but that's okay. Let's look at Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. You're familiar with the passage. It says, I call the heavens and the earth to witness about you today that I have set before you life and death 
and blessing and a curse. Therefore, choose life so that you and your descendants may live by loving Adonai your God, listening to his voice and clinging to him. So God is telling us, I believe in all occasions, to choose life. It's not really talking about an unborn child there, but I think it can be adapted to that fairly easily. Um, there it's, but the next verse I found so interesting. For he is your life. And I thought, wow, short and strong. And so my question is, is God your life? Because when you answer yes to that, a whole host of things make sense in the spiritual realm. It says, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell on, on the land that Adonai swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. And oftentimes, the land is, is kind of representative of salvation. And so it, it has kind of a double meaning, this verse. So whether God's talking about our physical life or our abundant life, we believe what we believe and do what we do because he is our life. Whether it is how we spend our money or how we vote, God's heart is crucial. If you agree and say, he is my life. Let's look at Jeremiah 1.6. Then I said, Alas, Adonai Elohim, look, I don't know how to speak, for I'm still a boy. So this is obviously Jeremiah's response. And I've been saying that all my life. I was uh, sharing with somebody a month or so ago, and they were telling how they just didn't feel ready for certain things. And I said, my entire life, I've never felt ready for any job that I've gotten. Never. I've always worked my way into the job. But I've never really, f in the beginning, <coughs> I never felt like I was ready. And I had all sorts of reasons. But, you know, God was not deterred. God has his way. And, you know, some of you might pull a Jonah where you say, uh, not me or something like that. But I believe God really wants us to understand uh, when he calls us, he makes it an election sure. Now, we have to go along with his plan. And I believe Potentially, you could say no. But this is certainly not the best for, of God. When you read Jeremiah 1.7, <coughs> Adonai answered me, Do not say I'm only a boy, for to everyone I send you, you will go, and all I command you, you will speak kind of makes you wonder about the Lord. 
because nobody listened to Jeremiah. And he was speaking God's words. <coughs> but God is so funny that way. He, um, he just, uh, Sarah, thank you. There's some down there. I was thinking, as many of you know, and got the announcements about Rabbi Don, who passed away. Thank you. And um, he was sick for, I mean, very sick with leukemia twice and heart attack and stroke and all these different things for over 10 years. Not only did he not give up, But he even, besides having an amazingly great attitude, I spoke to him a week before he passed away, and he was already designing his next ministry. And that's just, and, and joking, and even though he was in tremendous pain. But interesting enough, even while he was sick, God gave him a healing service to promote. There's some great irony in that, don't you think? How many of you, if you were sick, would want to have a healing service for others? Doesn't sound possible, right? So another person, as you know, who passed away, another dear friend of mine, Linda Brown, had cancer for eight years and worked until the very end pretty much. And she, if you knew her, she always had a smile. She was always encouraging. They were unlikely candidates for what God chose them to do because they were sick. But God chose them, and they said yes. So has God called you? Have you replied, it's not a good time, Kids are still in school. I'm really busy at work. My health has been poor. Do you really think God accepts your excuses? God is calling you. Listen and say, Hineni, here am I. Jeremiah 1.8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. To deliver you It is a declaration of Adonai. God knows that one of the reasons we don't accept our calling is because of fear. We fear. We fear failure. We fear what people are going to say. We have all sorts of fears. And I think the key here is what we do with fear. It cannot define us. The fear can't define us. So it is what we do with our fear that will define us. And you have a choice to be and, and say, Hineni, I can do this, or you can allow the fear to overcome you. If you have a disability, will that define you? If you're busy, Will that define you? We're all scared about something, but God wants us to trust him. So let's look at a couple scriptures and we'll close. Psalm 56, 4. 
In a day when I'm afraid, I will put my trust in you. Simple. That's what God's asking. In a day where you're scared, put your trust in him. Psalm 34, 5, and we did a, a fair amount of Psalm 34 this evening. The, the first song was Psalm 34. The last song had Psalm 34 in it. And in verse 5, it says, I sought Adonai, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. We seek the Lord, and he delivers us. And then Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, I'm with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. God has made a way for us to have no excuses. Whom he calls, he expects to answer. God's given you talents. He's given you opportunities. You need to say, Lord, he named me. Here am I. I would also pray that our obedience to the Lord be saturated with joy because the Lord is a great God. So we're going to want to give him great thanks. Lord, I just pray in the name of Yeshua. I pray that you would speak to each and every one hearing my voice, that they would understand, Lord, that you, called them, and you will bring that calling to being if they are willing to say, he me. Thank you, Lord. It's exciting to walk with you. It's an exciting trip. It's an amazing trip to walk with you, not, not ever a dull moment. So, Lord, we trust you, we seek you, and we pray now in the name of Yeshua that you will meet us where we are, pour out your spirit on us. We bless you in the name of Yeshua.